is How's the Bite. I'm Ken Root with Bob Urban here at Murray Outdoor under the Big Walleye on the south end of Guttenberg. And it has been an exciting week since we talked last, Bob. And I tell you what, do you like my new two-tone head? Yeah, yeah, you're lo- looking looking pretty good there, Ken. Red and red and white. I went up to Lake of the Woods last Saturday and Sunday. It actually it's a ten-hour drive, and fished with a guide on Monday and Tuesday. I had a wonderful experience, but I learned a lot, and I think I'd like to learn more. And some of it can come from you. But one of the things I'll pass on to folks is when your guide puts. a a gator on over his head and then he puts a hat on over that you should do the same thing because I didn't and my neck actually glowed in the dark and uh, the top of my ears I think are starting to peel where my hat was was fine but the water really can burn you in this summer season yeah if you see that you know that's what they do every day and you know you're in for some trouble or you should have but one thing I learned Ken about the water and some of the tournament fishermen over the years, uh, an older gentleman that fishes a lot of tournaments actually had skin cancer up in his nose really? because of the reflection yeah, yeah. off the water. That's one thing I learned this week, or this year, I'm sorry, he was telling me about it. And if you spend time on the water and you're, you're doing that and you're a guy, you are definitely more susceptible to some of those 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 cancer types, skin cancer types. So just uh, and those guys are going to protect themselves. Obviously, they're they're aware of that. Between the wind and the sun, I'm dying to tell you how well I did. Ask me. Yeah, Ken. Uh, it sounds like you've caught a little bit bigger fish than I ever have. Actually, uh, go ahead. How did you do fishing? I'm glad you asked. I caught a 28 inch walleye, the first fish in the boat, 28 inches. It touched the 28 line. Is a slot? They have a slot limit. The slot limit is is 20 to 28 and if it goes over 28 it's legal but the guide looked at me like gee that's it's a beautiful fish i hate for you to take him home with you you know we could catch that fish again and then he looked at me like we catch fish like this all the time so i thought surely i'd catch another one that big well i didn't i caught one that was uh, 27 and i caught several that were 24 and 25 the thing about it was that Lake of the Woods is 1,600 square miles. It is an inland sea, if you will, and it has moods. And that's not coming from me. That's coming from the guide who's out there. If you get the wind the wrong direction, you are screwed. Mm -hmm. And when we were out there, we went nine miles. He's got a 20-foot boat with a 300 Mercury on it. It's a Crestliner boat. And it just beat us up. I have a uh, Fitbit that measures when your arm bounces. Oh, yeah. The day we fished, the first day we fished, I probably walked 1,300 steps. It's counting us. It counted 13,000 steps. Really? Yeah, so it times it by 10 just by the waves. Yeah, I could see. And did you get sick or did you prepare yourself with Dramamine or, or anything? I didn't take Dramamine day one. I took Dramamine day two. And first day, I chummed a little bit in early afternoon, but I got rid of it. And I took a banana with me, and he went, what did you do? You'd put a banana on this boat? You don't put a banana on a fishing boat. No, no, bad luck. Didn't know that one either. Yeah, yeah, he pointed that out to me. So I learned that. You're learning a ton, Ken. The guide I had uh, was Kurt Quinnell, and uh, he is an old radio guy who turned into a fisherman. 
and he loves doing this, but he's got a rhythm to it. And uh, one of the ways he makes money, of course, he was selling advertising when he was in radio, is he goes to the counties, and they pay him to wrap his boat with a promotion to keep from transporting anything from one lake to another. So apparently in Minnesota, that's a very big deal. And he said, if you go down the road with a plug in your boat, it's a $150 fine. Yeah, it's something that we have here. They've started here in Iowa, too. Um, We were talking before the show, Ken, just about regulations and how they kind of start and are more restrictive in Minnesota. I would say it goes Minnesota, starts with a lot of the legislature, and then it trickles to Wisconsin. They kind of follow those two states, set the tone for regulation. And then Iowa, for some reason, we're obviously we're more ag, our state is, but uh, recreation and and stuff falls a little bit behind, I would say, compared to those those states. Their money is in outdoor recreation and lakes and and all of that. But uh, we're I would say we fall third. We we usually about ten twenty years sometimes it takes before it gets into our legislature. Drain, uh, no plug. I've been in. I've actually I don't know personally. I don't know if I agree or disagree with it. Um, I understand the aquatic part of it. But the safety factor, I don't know how many times now I've put my boat in without my plug. Definitely two or three. And uh, we can talk about how to, uh, here on the show, maybe we'll talk about how you can actually come out of that. I heard you just go like hell yep. and, and hope for the best. That's exactly it. Uh, Nolan and I were out fishing in, uh, we are down in Rathbun in Crappie Cove. And I didn't realize it at the time. And, and the tab boat plugs I'll never use anymore, the ones with the little tab. I use the ones with the T handle and, and, and they lock in, right. um, and they, you twist them, uh, clockwise and they tighten up the T handle on my grandpa's boat. We had my grandpa's boat, I think got caught, um, at the downward angle and the, the pressure or the wake, or it was rotted or dry rot. They dry rot. You got to replace yeah, them every right. three years or so. And it must've came out. Mm. We went into the cove and all of a sudden my son is probably four and he's like, dad, dad, dad. And his feet are getting wet. I'm like, hang on, calm down. Earlier years before I was in law enforcement, I think I would have panicked. But with that situation and stuff and, and the years of being in law enforcement, you just kind of, oh, I know what to do. Uh, get it up on plane as fast as you can. If you can, um, shift your weight to get up on plane because the weight is going to be in the back of the boat. And then once that gets in plane, it will um, come back. It, it will suck it right out, uh, should. Um, if not, head towards the ramp. As, as, oh, as No matter if I was on plane or not, I'd be headed toward the ramp. Yeah, you're going to try to get on, get to the ramp. Um, my years in, in uh, uh, state parks in Colorado, we've actually towed sunken boats, if you can get them up on plane, tow them right on to their trailer and then veer oh. off. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a trick to it, but there's an art to it, but you can do it. It's, it happens a lot. It happens a lot not having a plug-in. But but back to the aquatic, I totally understand. They don't want to transport some of these weeds, seeds, some of the invasive stuff right. into the next lake. And they do a really good job in Minnesota, and that's what they're known for for that. Well, I didn't get to bring many fish back because I could only have three per day that qualified. And we got quite a few little bitty saugers, 10, 12-inch saugers, catch them, catch them, catch them. And then the, the bigger saugers, actually, that's what I brought back, five saugers and one walleye. That's six because I can have three a day for two days, and that's all I could have. And the guy that was my guide is a commercial fish packer 
So therefore, instead of having to leave some skin on those fish, he put his packer number on the fish, and that made them legal for me to bring back. So see how complicated that is? It is, and they do want you uh, leaving. I it don't. It's a square of some sort, yeah. so they can identify um, the species is what you're doing when you're transporting. And again, it's 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 a state where you got to pay attention. Uh, Minnesota, they're becoming more restrictive on on numbers, daily possessions, and then your uh, bag limits as well, and what you can take home. Bob, an off the wall question: How's the fishing here at home on pools ten and eleven? Geez, if you ask uh, Jamie down at the Landing 615, he got that in, and and they're doing really good down there. Bluegills catfish still, Ken. It's just really? bluegills catfish uh, May and June. That's what it's been here, latter part of May and then early June. Now we're into later June, and it's still the same bite. Um, few walleyes, a few different things, a lot of different weird trophy fish. A guy sent me a picture of a big gar over by the yeah. spillway. Big sheep header biting, uh, a few crappies. They're getting some crappies now, but again, we're low water levels. We're going to start fishing the channels, um, and that's where the fish are going to have to get to when we're when we're low like this. Rain. We haven't had any rain. You don't have any. This is getting quite scary. As an ag person, yeah. I've only seen uh, two droughts in Iowa, 1988 and 2012, and it is scary uh, how much production is lost and what happens to the market and, of course, the uh, effects otherwise because um, there is an agricultural joke that Iowa is the center of the universe. And if anything happens here, it causes problems other places. And on corn and soybeans, that's true. But the low water levels, everybody is seeing that, and everybody is wondering if it's going to be bad for them uh, in the months ahead. Yeah, I'm seeing posts on Facebook that, you know, you know, you're not hard up until people start praying. And uh, there's a lot of posts here, pray for rain, pray for rain. And uh, not that it's necessarily a huge deal for the fishing or the uh, aquacultural here, but they're praying for the farmers to get some rain for the crops. Well, tell me about you. How did your big sale go on Father's Day weekend? Did you uh, have a pretty good number of people come through Murray Outdoor? Yeah, we did. We had a lot of campers, a lot of folks. Um, some folks didn't know about it, but but uh, we, we had a really good sale, a lot of different stuff, a lot of flowers, um, and then a lot of uh, folks just doing combos, reels, rods, getting some stuff taken care of there. And then we had a lot of folks on vacation. Larry Larry was on vacation. He's yep. got a report. You went on a trip. Dan right. was on a trip out to North right. Dakota. Um, so we got a lot of different vacations and a lot of different fishing reports over that, that Father's Day week. Well, I don't feel like that there's anything sinful about being Iowa fishermen, but going somewhere else to fish because of the adventure of it and the escape of it. You know, you can fish every day here if you want and still work. But when you're there, it's uh, the number one thing on your mind and it's uh, most enjoyable. Yeah, I think it's even funny here on the the Mississippi pool level. Like we're pool 10 and 11, but some guys will go up to nine. You know, just just enough to get away that, yeah. that it, like you said, the adventure or... Uh, going up to Red Wing, it's a th- or going to Green Bay, it's a four-hour drive. Nolan and I went down to Little River, yeah. just enough to get like like you're on vacation, not a staycation, going here fishing, but you're you're away, you're on a literal vacation, getting away. Um, maybe can't even get somewhere if you need to, you know. Sorry, I'm four hours away, I can't help yeah, you. Uh, you know, uh, one of those. You were ten, you weren't going yeah. nowhere. I mean, I was surprised you even had reception and stuff. You were texting me. 
It was good. It was, it was amazing up there how good it was. Now, the thing about Lake of the Woods, when I was talking to the guide, I said, well, this is pretty busy here. You know, they had these charter boats running across here. He said, this is nothing beside the winter. He said, you compare this to winter, this lodge actually makes roads and streets, and they, they grade it every day, and you pay them 20 bucks to go on to the lake, and they'll make sure you get off the lake. And that lake is, again, 1,600 square miles. And he said it all freezes by January. And you can go anywhere on the lake that, you know, you think you're big enough to go. But they have some good spots within a mile or so. But he said they uh, they water it to, to make sure they can build up the strength of the uh, ice. Uh -huh. And they do chainsaws if something uh, heaves up and cuts the ice down. And I guess that it is an amazing thing fishing that far north in the middle of winter. But the lodge there um, has a lot of people who come in in what they call ice castles. Oh, yeah. Ice castle is probably the brand like you would call duct tape, duct taped, you know. Um, they probably have other brands of them. But an ice castle is just a basically a camper that lowers down on the ground. And you and I in this office, there would be holes here. And we could fish from the couch. We could fish from the kitchen table. You know, you can ice fish just in your living room, per se, or your bedroom. And that's that's kind of what it is. It's, it's uh, I know a lot of guys that maybe are seasonal workers. Yep. That would be a big thing for them. They could uh, fish on hot and heavy through the winters, so like construction workers, road crews, stuff like that. Some people claim that uh, the ice castles are ruining the fishing. Uh, but, you know, you have good days and bad days. And people up that far north, you know, it is really seriously cold there and stays that way everybody's got backup systems in their homes in case the main heating system fails summer is beautiful and the days were you know 11 p.m uh, sunset until 4 a.m sunrise and they really go for it but it is a very different environment than here i was glad to be there and uh, i was glad to come home oh yeah that's usually how it works if you can stay somewhere for a week well, let's go to uh, Jamie at Landing 615. Uh, Bob's already mentioned that the fish seem to be coming in uh, and they're getting a good bite right now. So let's talk to him uh, about how things are going. Well, I am on the bank of the Mississippi River in Guttenberg up against a new concrete wall. And I think I saw this wall going up a while back because Jamie Dinger, who's next to me here at Landing 615, built this thing. It's a long way from the water now. Yes, it is. When you uh, put this thing up, though, the water was lapping right into the back of your place. So that's a pretty substantial wall you've built. Uh, you'll be ready for next time. Yes, I will. Tell me what the fishing is here. Uh, well, right now they're catching a lot of bluegills out there, uh, along with sturgeon, catfish, walleye, northern sheephead a really? little bit of everything yep how's the fishing be so good right now i mean it's kind of low water and it's getting hot well the fish are hungry they're feeding yeah when you carry people out there i understand uh, emma is your chauffeur today is that correct your little daughter yep well, she's a cute young lady how old are you eight eight well when she get a little older we won't ask her her age tell me about your little boat here it's fully covered so you're pretty protected going out there in about any kind of weather aren't you yes we are and what's the run over to uh, your fishing area? Uh, it takes a couple minutes. It runs $20 to go over for the day. 
Looks like uh, you've got good fishing again. What's biting out there? Bluegills, catfish, sheephead, northern, walleye, a little bit of everything. All right. And open what hours? 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. Seven, right. seven days a week. Jamie Dinger here on the uh, street right along the edge of the Mississippi River in Guttenberg at Landing 615. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Emma. Well, let's talk to Larry about uh, his fishing experience, and uh, maybe we can get him to give us a little tip on how to uh, restructure your tackle boxes so they make more sense and you catch more fish. Well, we have a feature we try to do fairly often with Larry Hubanks. So uh, we've called it Lures with Larry before, but today we're going to call it Tackle Boxes with Larry. Larry, one of my challenges is I got an old tackle box. It's one of those flip-up top ones. Uh, it tends to open when you don't want it to, and, and then it tends to not open when you want it to. What's your view of getting it right with your tackle box before you head to catch fish? Yeah, hey Ken, how are you this morning? Good. Always good to see you. Um, yeah, we sell a variety of uh, tackle boxes up here at the store, and I, I know exactly what you mean. They're a basic box with one clip. They're always popping open, falling apart on you. So we sell a lot of Plano boxes, and that's just a single box with a double clip on it. P-L-A-N-O, not plain old, but yeah. Plano. Right, exactly, exactly. And then we do the uh, Plano soft cases also, which hold three separate oh. containers, side pockets, uh, places on uh, the ends for pliers, uh, mosquito repellents, anything like that. Well, it's good to be able to see what you're looking for and get to it. And these Plano boxes, I don't even think they started with fishing in mind. I think it was more for nuts and bolts and stuff like that when they probably originated, but it works so well. People converted them over, I think, before Plano ever thought of it. Yeah, and you know, I believe it started with something like that to put parts in, but uh, the fishing industry has come up with so many different models and shapes and form. And my tackle box, which actually is a big Cabela box, but it holds 10 of them. Ten of the big size ones, so I get everything in there I need, all the way down to a guy who only fishes a couple times a year to the smaller boxes. And I believe these right here are like 14 by 8. Yeah. So it's a great single box right there to start with. You get everything in it to go fishing. What would you say, though, for people who are trying to just go out to fish for panfish, for example, should you drag that whole box with you, or should you have a, a break, way of breaking down to smaller numbers? Well, you know, I separate all my stuff. I have one box just for my bluegills and crappies, and then I have five or six, you know, for my walleyes, saugers. Um, so I have a different variety of each. Uh, my catfish, flathead fishing, complete separate boxes, separate poles for that. So it just depends how much you want to fish, what you want to fish for, but... There is a tackle box out here for everybody from a six inch by six inch. If you're a trout fisherman, you yeah. know, smaller, uh, some guys have a lot more equipment too. So um, it just depends what you want to fish for. If you want to fish for them all, there's multiple uh, different boxes out there for you to come and get. I was looking at this Plano that you uh, have that has three boxes that fit inside of it. 
and uh, it's protective of everything, and it's uh, $64.99. So there's some cost to it, but when you figure out how many dollars worth of lures you've got, you need to keep them organized and need to keep them available to yourself or you're wasting a lot more money. That, that's correct, too. And you really want to keep your tackle dry, too. So like this Plano box here, the lid goes completely over the top, yep. zippers, and it has a lip then that goes farther down on the case and it's completely waterproof too so i mean there you're not going to get your water in i mean any type of hooks that you use if your box gets full of water they eventually rust and decay your plastics and and everything so um you know there's some great boxes uh you pay a little bit more for them but you take care of your equipment and that's important so lures with larry larry hubank works here a couple of days a week at Murray uh, Outdoors under the big walleye on the south end of Gatlinburg. Thank you very much. All right, Ken. Always nice talking to you and great seeing you again. Bob, let's wrap up here. We're getting closer to the 4th of July, so I know that's going to be a big deal for you and for all the people coming through. But we've got a little time before that, and uh, hopefully you're doing well. Just a lot of catfish stuff going right now, Ken. So kind of catering to that uh, market. As the water warms up, that's what it'll be here for a while. Um, sheephead and catfish once it warms up here on the river and everything else everything else is going pretty good we're just looking for folks to stop in check us out uh, follow us on facebook get onto the podcast if you can i think it's getting some traction now uh we're getting a lot of different uh diverse uh folks talking on the podcast so share it follow us uh on facebook and that's what we can do for now Bob Urban and all of his crew here at Murray Outdoors on the south end of Guttenberg under the big walleye. You need to stop by before you go fishing in the area, and they can advise you of uh, what's biting and what to use to catch those fish. For Bob Urban, I'm Ken Root. We'll see you again next week on How's the Bite. Mm-hmm.